Father God, by the very Spirit of God. I mm. pray that you would open our eyes to see. Yes, Lord. That you would open our ears to hear. Open our eyes. And that you would cause our hearts to be able to receive what it is you're doing in this hour. May it be so. We yield ourselves to you. Yes, we do. We're not looking to man, we're looking to you. That's right. We don't want the words of man, we want the words of Amen. heaven. And so we invite you and we thank you for speaking. Yes, we in do. Jesus in name. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Preparing for Pentecost. My goodness, think about that. We are preparing to welcome a new wave of the Holy Spirit in ways you and I have probably never, not just probably, let me say it correctly, in ways we've never experienced. We've talked about the fact that God wants to do something new. We've used even the scriptures from God pouring new wine into new wineskins. Well, new means it hasn't been this way before. And so even the scripture from Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. Don't lean into what you've experienced. Don't lean into, into what you know, because what you know, what you and I know is limited. But God is leading us by his spirit into something that we haven't experienced yet before. And it's not a hyper, uh, you know, exaggeration of a, of a move of God. Here's all we're doing is saying, Lord, you are speaking in these days. You're doing a mighty work. And we want to receive everything that you have for us. And any time that God is moving in the people, he always comes with instruction. Uh, he comes with instruction every time to position his people for what he wants to do. And so really what we're talking about in, for this week is as we prepare for Pentecost Sunday, as we prepare for a new wave of the Holy Spirit, we want to consecrate. Mm -hmm. Consecrate. Say that word. Look at your neighbor. <laughs> Say consecrate. <laughs> consecrate. It sounds like a religious word, but really all it is, is uh, it means to set apart, to dedicate something for a specific service. And I want to talk to you about two things that we're going to consecrate. Two things, two different areas that we're going to consecrate. First and foremost, we're going to consecrate ourselves. You and I are called in this week of preparation to consecrate ourselves. You know, Joshua 3, 5 says this. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Mm. That word sanctify and consecrate, it's the same thing. Again, set yourselves apart because God is about to do something. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders mm. among you. You know, anytime... Uh, that God speaks to us, it requires humility in order for us to be able to respond. Because you may be thinking, we've, we've heard things before that the Holy Spirit's going to do something and we haven't seen anything. Do you know what I'm talking about? Our minds talk us out of what we sense in our spirit because of what we've seen or not seen. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves because we think we've sinned so much that we can't be a part of what God is doing. Every time, whatever excuse we use, whatever we allow to infiltrate our thinking that causes us to move away from what God is speaking, that that is self, right? It takes humility to say, regardless of how I feel, regardless of whether or not I've experienced disappointment in the past, God is speaking something and I'm going to humble myself mm. and yield myself to what he's saying. Listen to James 4 and 10. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. In other words, come to a place in your heart where you say, God, I don't understand all that's happening. I may not even really see what's happening, but I'm going to come and humble myself. I'm going to 
come under you and I'm going to yield myself to you. I declare that you're God and I want all of your ways. I want to walk in your ways. There's a humility that is required to prepare for what God wants to do. And so that humility is going to be a part of everything in our preparation. It always requires humility to walk in obedience. Well, listen, with humility, then God is inviting us to repent. Now, again, you hear that word repent, and you may think, I've already repented. We've already prayed about these things. We've already talked about it. Do we really need to repent some more? It takes humility to acknowledge and say, Lord, I there are still areas in my life where perhaps I'm, I'm stiff-necked. <laughs> Isn't that a funny, uh, a funny passage? And you are stiff-necked people. I have areas in my life where I recognize, God, I'm still being stiff-necked. I, I'm not letting you lead me with ease. I resist sometimes. And so this is not with condemnation, but if we could if we could see God for who he fully was, we would recognize there is much to repent. And again, it doesn't come with a harsh God ready to beat us down, but with a loving God that says, I need to do some things in you, but I need you to acknowledge where you're missing it. Mm. I need you to not cover up what is wrong, what has been sin. Mm. I need you not to allow shame to keep you away from me, but I need you to come and say, God, what I've said, what I've done, my patterns, they're not right. They're not right. You are holy, you are righteous, and I have not fully followed you. You know what God does when we repent, when we turn? He receives us. He receives us. But there is a deeper level of repentance than I've ever known. Joel 2, 12 and 13, when God was preparing the people of Israel who'd been through tremendous loss, through tremendous uh, battles and I think the best word really is lost because that's where the locust destroyed so much. As God was preparing for that to turn, he called the people to a fast. He called them, but in that calling, it started with turn to me with all your heart. Return to the Lord your God. There's a turning. That's what repentance means is I was going this way, but I'm turning. For some of you, it's I'm returning Mm -hmm. because you've said some things, Lord, but I haven't walked in them. So I'm returning. See, again, there's no shame with repentance. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to say, God, I haven't followed you as you've said, so I'm making a turn. But in Joel, it says, turn to me with all your heart. Turn to me with all your heart. God is after our hearts. He's not after us just doing um, traditions or having actions that look like their repentance. No, it's it's the issues of the heart that he's looking at. So as we repent, again, it takes humility to say, God, I'm not just confessing my sins. I'm confessing sins and saying, I'm turning from those. And I need your grace to be able to walk in obedience. Along with repentance, once you turn, there is an establishment that we're going to submit ourselves, Mm -hmm. submit ourselves to the Lord. See, again, this takes humility. We come and we repent We turn from our ways, but then we're saying, Lord, I submit myself to you. You and I are being invited, being called with an urgency to submit ourselves to God in ways we never have. Matthew 6, 9, and 10, you know, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus, as he was instructing his disciples on how to pray, he said, pray this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So this invitation of God saying, no, I need you to begin to align yourself with what I'm doing. And it starts with submitting ourselves. It starts with saying, God, I have my own will, but I'm yielding my own will to come under your will. At we, we get to say what Jesus said in Luke twenty two forty two. 42. Jesus himself, who, who was God, said, not my will, but yours be done. You and I, in some areas, we've resisted God's will out of fear, out of doubt, out of protecting ourselves, sometimes out of hurt with people. Mm. And yet God's saying, listen, this is not because he's mad at you and wants to punish you. He's saying, I need you to yield yourself and submit yourself to me. It is critical that we align with God in ways, again, at a deeper level than ever before for what he desires to do in us in this day. You know, I wanted to come in on this point, consecrate yourself. And I'm sure this is the same way for ladies, but I tell you, for men, a lot of times we get accustomed to making it look like, well, we already know what to do. Like we've got it all together. And sometimes we feel the pressure of needing to know what to do. How are we going to navigate this situation? Maybe a job loss or some other challenging situation. And and a lot of times men feel that pressure like, well, I need to go ahead and put on a front. Not that people, not that they want to feel, uh, be phony or pretentious, right. but you just feel like you have to be strong yeah. and such. And I was so fortunate, so blessed of the Lord to be raised in a home. Both of my parents loved the Lord. Mm-hmm. Both of my parents prayed. Both of my parents parents would seek the will of God and even pray this prayer, not my will, but yours be done. I heard my parents pray this far more than I heard Jesus pray it. And I've read this Bible in the New mm-hmm. Testament over and over and over. But my parents would pray these prayers. But I tell you what, I, I was blessed as a man to have a dad That's true. that was very tender-hearted toward the Lord. And I, I have mm-hmm. vivid memories of my dad mm-hmm. in our home crying before the Lord and calling out to God and asking, humbling himself humbling himself, not being prideful, not putting on that face like, well, you know, I I don't need anything or uh, if I need help, I'll ask you, you know, and I don't think most men have that attitude, but the way that we come across, the way that we come across by not humbling ourselves, by not calling on the Lord, by not asking for his help, by not repenting and saying, Lord, without you, I don't know what to do. I was so blessed to, to... have this front row seat, yeah. and my brothers as well, to watch a man who was not a perfect man, uh, not an educated man, but he would cry, he would humble himself, he would read his Bible. When he read his Bible, uh, he, would, he, would, he underlined everything. <laughs> there, there were no special, <laughs> yeah. he underlined every single sentence yeah. of the Bible. They were all precious to him. Mm-hmm. And I would watch my dad cry, and call out to the Lord and say, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need you to protect my family. Lord, show us what to do. Not my will, but yours be done. And so uh, what a tremendous impact that this made on me. And I realized that uh, I am a minority in that sense because others of you may have had a father like that. But I'm a minority because I don't think most people were raised like this. Some of you didn't even have a father. But certainly, then you would not have had a father like this. But I'm telling you that we men, this is is where we put things in perspective. And 
and come before the Lord and acknowledge the reality. Acknowledge the reality. And what is that? <laughs> that we are so small. Right. We are so helpless without God. We need Him. We need His, his power in our lives. We, need, we can't defend ourselves and our families against the forces of this world and all that's happening in this world. And we haven't seen anything yet as to what is going down in the, in the future. We don't know what's happening, but the Lord does. Yeah. And so I tell you what, and I, I'm thankful that I believe my children would verify that they also saw that modeled from a man and a woman, but they saw that modeled that, no, we humble ourselves and we call out to the Lord. And let me tell you, I've been in this now decades serving the Lord, but I still have to come and humble myself and to repent and submit myself before the Lord because the flesh is so strong. Yeah. And the flesh could just do its own way and go on our own understanding. Like the Bible says, don't yeah. do that, right? But let me tell you, this is so important. And I, I, I'm speaking to all the men out there that this is important for us mm -hmm. to humble ourselves before the Lord and even in front of our family members and let them see that we are dependent on the Lord. And the beautiful thing is, I've never known the Lord not to respond so with His true. tenderness, His mercy, His voice to mm -hmm. speak, to reassure, and to let us know that He's responsive to this kind of an attitude of consecrating ourselves to Him. Yeah, yeah you know, in, in the world we live in, um, what seems to be modeled is, you know, I don't need anything, I yeah. don't need anyone. But that, that's the worldly view of strength. God's view, which is the correct view of strength, is I'm fully dependent on you. Yeah, that's right. But it does require that humility in all of us, men and women. And I am so grateful for you to address specifically with men. But for all people, it requires mm -hmm. an acknowledgement that without him, I don't have it. I don't, I'm not able right. to do life uh, the way I'm called to without him. That's a beautiful That's right. strength to be fully dependent. Mm -hmm. But there's something about us coming with humility yes. and acknowledging the fact that we have areas in our life where we need to repent. And then that yielding ourselves right. and saying, God, there are things I've resisted you in, but no longer. Amen. I'm choosing to consecrate myself by humbling myself, by repenting, and by submitting myself mm -hmm. to you. Yes. And uh, that's part of the preparation. Yes, it is. We can do all kinds of external things, but unless our hearts are really open to the Lord in these ways, then He's not able to do what He desires to do in us. That's right. And this is not a one-time prayer, even as you said, right? That's right. <laughs> I mean, this is, mm -hmm. and I ask you, all week long, and we're going to walk you through some things mm -hmm. in prayer, but all week long, just keep coming back and saying, Lord, yes. Speak to me because he'll, right. he'll begin to show you areas where you do need repentance. And if you have that position of humility, right. instead of right. talking yourself out of it, you'll just respond and say, mm. yes, my Lord, you are right. And I confess it and I turn mm. and I submit myself yes. to you. We are called to consecrate ourselves. That is part of the preparation for Pentecost. I, I want to talk to you about consecrating your home. All of you have a home. It may be an apartment, it may be a mobile home, it may be a room in somebody's house, but you have a place where you abide, where you live. And it's so important that we not only consecrate and separate our hearts, sanctify ourselves, but that we actually sanctify the space 
that we live in, where we live, where we abide. Joshua, again, we're interesting how many Joshua scriptures there are, right? But Joshua 24, 15 says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was declaring whatever else is going on with others. Here's the decision we're making. Not only me, but those are in my house. We will serve the Lord. The place where I live, what is called my home, it's going to be a home where people serve the Lord. What a profound and a strong statement. And so beyond only consecrating yourself, we're going to consecrate our homes. Again, for many of you, that means your family members in your home, the space that you live. But for some of you, you may be right now and you live by yourself. You are called to consecrate your home as well. Matthew 21, 13, Jesus said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. How do we consecrate our homes? How do we do that? Well, I can tell you that it starts with a decision that we will serve the Lord, but then it becomes a house of prayer, literally a house of prayer. Um, Walking around your home, dedicating that home to the Lord. I mean, I I remember with our kids, you know, our our kids, uh, well, our daughter went through some pretty hard times and uh, there were times where it looked like, boy, she was not going to follow Jesus. And I remember going into her room while she wasn't there and welcoming the presence of the Lord and saying, she will follow you. Thank you, Lord. She has ears to hear. She will serve you all the days of her life. She was long gone at those days, but I was in that room consecrating that space, even praying consecration over her, even though her will at the time was not yielded to the Lord. There's something about us walking around in our homes and praying over the members in our home, whether they're there or not, but also even the possessions that are in our home. You know, Proverbs says to honor the Lord with our possessions. We oftentimes tie that to giving, but honor the Lord with your possessions means make God a priority with everything that you own, with everything that he has given to you. Make sure that first and foremost, he's honored. So the possessions that we have in our home, as we consecrate our home, let's, let's evaluate what's in our home. Lord, if there's anything that is not pleasing to you in our home, we don't want that. I believe some of you are going to be throwing out some stuff, getting rid of some stuff. Because you know, without anybody else knowing, you know, when you present things before the Lord, when you dedicate things to the Lord, that the Holy Spirit begins to say, that's not a place of honor. There are things that you, you're going to need to get rid of. You may have to burn, throw away. I don't know, whatever it is. Do we want what God wants to do enough that we're willing to get rid of stuff that we know does not honor the Lord. Now, not all of it is in possessions. Not all of it is in material things. There are things and attitudes in our homes. Um, There are things that have been accepted in our homes. Maybe the way we talk to one another, the tones with which we talk to each other that have been accepted, and yet that doesn't honor the Lord. When we consecrate our homes, we're saying, Lord, we are dedicating this space. We are dedicating everything in this space to honor you, to be yielded to what you desire to do. So nothing becomes uh, reserved for us. Everything is brought before the Lord. And, you know, for example, television. Television is not in itself a bad or a good thing. It's how it's used. But let me tell you, when you even begin to present, Lord, everything that we view in this home through television, through computers, everything that we listen in this home through 
television, computers, pods, uh, you know, all the music stuff, all the, whatever it is, whatever we're watching, whatever we're listening to, Lord, because we're dedicating this space to you, this home to you, may it honor you. And then the Holy Spirit begins to bring clarity into what doesn't honor him and how we need to move about that. Psalm 101, I loved uh, this psalm and I, the Lord really ministered this to me when I was at home with young children because, uh, you know, it was just me and the kids during the day. Dad was gone and uh, sometimes you can just almost, not trivialize, but you can almost let your guard down in the sense of, eh, what's the big deal? It's just me and the kids. But Psalm 101, 1 through 4, it says this, I will sing of your mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. That word perfect means blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect or a blameless heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no wickedness. Notice that in this psalm, uh, the, the writer is addressing the issues of the heart, but it's saying within this home, this home is consecrated. I will walk within this home in a blameless way. What a beautiful dedication to God. God, in this home, We're going to walk before you in a blameless way. We're going to walk before you in a way that if nobody else sees, we recognize that you see. And we want you to be delighted with what you see. We want you to be delighted with what you hear come out of our mouths. We want you to be delighted with the motives of our heart, with the plans that we make, with the way we use the possessions you've given to us. See, it is not just a, oh yeah, Lord, we honor you with our stuff. No, it is this, this place is dedicated, set apart to be used for you and to be used by you. And so even as you're dedicating and consecrating your home, it is so important that you include your children, even from the youngest of them. I'm talking about your babies, just take them with you as you're walking around your home praying, a house of prayer. Toddlers, walk with them, teach them, teach them how to walk in your home, praying and declaring, God, this is a place for you to use. Mm. Even if it's a one little bedroom. Oh, let me tell you, when you dedicate to the Lord what you have, that's part of stewarding well the kingdom of God. He will add to you. I I said this, I believe, uh, last week, but I felt it so strong that as we dedicate our homes to the Lord, as we dedicate our spaces, our families for what God wants to do. It's part of that Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he'll add all the other things to you. I believe that as you dedicate your home, as we dedicate our homes to the Lord, he's going to add things that we would have never been able to work for. Not We don't have, we would not have been able to work enough hours for God uh, to be able, as he will add to us. I'm telling you, these are realities, but there's a dedication and there's a consecration of our home that is so, so important. Yeah, and you know, God is real. He is so real. So when we're talking about welcoming in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God into our homes, He's real. He really wants to come. But God is incompatible with wickedness. God is incompatible 
with flesh that is unyielded to yeah. him. And so you think about it, you know, as you're talking, I'm visualizing our home. And of yeah. course, we've done this many times, but we're going to do it again. Yeah. The Lord's presence comes into that home within yeah. these walls, on top of these floors and under these ceilings and permeates every part. Well, what all's in there? Yeah. What all's in there? Who all's in there? In fact, uh, I was thinking as you were talking about the story that we just heard recently of Dr. Kegel, Leslie Kegel, one of our apostolic elders, and Jerry Stott, who is uh, a missionary and evangelist, mm -hmm. a man of power and such, and one of our missionaries, Kevin Harkins. And they were in another country, and they were invited over to dinner from some church members. So here was mm -hmm. so, some members of a church, Foursquare mm -hmm. Church, and invited over for dinner. So it was actually a very wealthy couple's home. And so they were there waiting for the meal to finish being prepared and such. And finally, it, they were ready to pray. And they asked Dr. Kegel if he would pray. So they all stood to pray and such. And as they closed their eyes, <laughs> it's, it's funny just to think about it, but... Yeah. Uh, Dr. Kegel paused, and he's sensing in the spirit, and here's how he started off. He started off with something to this effect. He started off by saying, I sense many demons here. <laughs> and Jerry Stott said, he was thinking in his mind, oh no, <laughs> this could be a long night. You know? And uh, But he said, I sense many demons here. Well, here's what's interesting. This was a precious couple who loved God, were attending church, and yet they, they did not realize that this was happening in their home. And so anyway, Dr. Kegel said that, and then uh, they began to pray, and they began to talk, and uh, Dr. Kegel said, yes, I sense many demons here in this home. Well, the wife ended up saying this. She said, I wonder if it has anything to do with the room upstairs. And so they asked, well, what's the room upstairs? So they said, well, let's go look. And they all went upstairs, and she led them down the hall to a particular room. They opened the door, and in that room, it was full of idols, idols to various gods, gods from all over the world. And, uh, well, of course, those three men of God all said, yeah, I think it has something to do with this, because as we know, the Bible tells us that idols, you know, statues and certain idols that are religious idols and such, Behind those, those represent demonic forces, demons. And so, well, these people, listen, this is no condemnation on them because they didn't know. They had served and, and worshipped all those gods, and they, they actually prayed, and they didn't realize because apparently they were new or at least immature, not, uh, not mature in the things of God. Well, thank God that there was a man of God there. And so what did they do? Well, of course, they got rid of all those idols. They, she said, what do we need to do? The couple said, what do we need to do? And they said, we, we need to get rid of all these idols because you worship the Lord God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ now. And so anyway, she said, okay, well, I'll, I'll give them to my friends. And they said, no, don't do that. Don't give them to your friends because, no, we don't want to export uh, things that represent uh, false gods and idolatry and such. And so, guess what? It was amazing what happens, and you, you do those things. If there is something in your home, then uh, ask the Lord. You know, if there is something, let me tell you, nothing is worth being in your home that could compromise God being willing to come, yeah. 
and to dwell among you. The presence of God, the power of God, the love of God, the protection of God, and not to mention eternal salvation. There's nothing worth that. And so we all will pick up things along the way in this life. And when we come into contact with a holy God, then we realize that there are some things about us, some things about our life, some things about our preferences that are just not acceptable, not compatible to this God. And let me tell you, he's God. He's not just a God. He is the one true living God. And so anyway, there may be some things that need to be cleaned out because it's not just things, but they represent sometimes, not all the time, but they can represent spiritual things. And we want everything in our home to be honoring to the Lord our yeah. God. And I think that that's part of that, you know, being a house of prayer, walking around yes. your home. There are things that the Holy Spirit will show you that you had no idea was uh, needed to to right. uh, got, uh, to be gotten rid of. That's right. Sometimes we just don't know. We just don't see it. And so, again, without fear or condemnation, walk around and welcome the presence of God. The Holy Spirit, He'll show you. Yeah. And, he'll show you. And let me tell you, it honors God. When he sees us doing that, it, it makes yeah. his heart delighted to know that we're saying, Lord, I choose you. Yeah. More than whatever this is, I choose you. Yeah. And that does something in his heart. <laughs> and again, it goes back to seek first the kingdom, doesn't it? It, does. it just keeps going back to he's first. He's first. He's first in us. So yes. we consecrate ourselves. He's first in our homes. Our homes become a place where he dwells. Mm-hmm. And everything in our home is dedicated to honor the Lord. Those two are the big areas of consecration. But I want to touch on a third portion of preparing ourselves for uh, for Pentecost. And that is fasting distractions. Notice I didn't say fasting food, unless food is a distraction. What I felt the Lord was saying is fast distractions. Mm. Romans 12 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There's a presentation right now that we're doing uh, to the Lord as living sacrifices before him. And that means that he'll actually even... Uh, address areas in your life that are actually pulling you away from him. Not not always sin. That's where sometimes I think we get mixed up because we think, well, that's not sin. But what are areas that right now are distractions that pull you from what he's actually wanting to do? Things that consume your time, things that consume your thinking. You know, again, we normally think fast food, uh, not fast food, but fast, (laughs) withhold yourself from food. But I think there needs to be a fast of the mind. There are thoughts and uh, preoccupations that fill our minds. There's like this fasting God saying, no, present yourselves to me as a living sacrifice and don't allow the things that have been consuming your time to continue or even your thinking. Uh, you know, here, here was a sense I've had and not only had, but even for me personally, felt like Lord said, pause on, desi- on some decisions. There are some things that I I felt like I'm ready to run. And the Lord, I just kept feeling that wait, wait. I'm not sure exactly why I need to wait. I just know the Lord's saying wait. And so to to be honest with you, I have held off on any major decision until after Pentecost Sunday. I believe, Lord, then you lead me from there on. But I'm not making any major decisions 
until the Lord says, okay, now go. There's a pause right now that he's inviting us to. There's a wait is what he told, mm-hmm. you know, the his disciples. He said, wait for the promise, mm-hmm. wait for the promise. And he's coming to us and saying, wait. So there's a fasting from the things that distract you, from the things that consume your time. I, I heard the Lord say this, spend unusual time in prayer. Mm-hmm. He didn't say spend time in prayer. He said, spend unusual time in prayer. That's going to look different for different individuals. But I know this. He was saying, don't do the common prayer, the common even amount of prayer. Spend uncommon time in prayer. Uh, That means talking to him, but also listening to him, a fellowshipping with him, uh, standing uh, on behalf of others. I don't know how he will direct our prayer times. He didn't say, give me the specifics on that. All he said is spend unusual time in prayer it takes faith to pray but it takes also a hunger to say i could be doing this that and the other but i'm going to stop and i'm going to come before your presence and i'm going to connect with you and i'm going to pray i'm going to worship i'm going to dedicate i'm going to pray 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 you know i think it was dr cho that said Uh, Dr. Cho, who was, by the way, the pastor of the largest church in the world Mm -hmm. at one point, I think, wasn't it about a million people? About a million, a little over a million people. Yeah, and he said in the United States there are more resources, books on prayer, conferences (laughs) on prayer, teachings on prayer, but not nearly as much actual praying. Prayer, yes. And this is what the Lord said, don't just read about prayer, don't just talk about prayer, but spend unusual times in praying and the Holy Spirit will lead you on how to pray and then we're going to partner with you as well and how to pray some very specific things when you uh, spend time in the word as you're preparing don't just read the daily readings don't just read your devotions Uh, really invite more than ever before invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what is written God will give it says that he'll actually he'll show you the secrets the Mm. mysteries that are in his heart through his word so ask the holy spirit speak to me open my eyes to see Mm -hmm. what god is saying through his word and so there there is a fasting of distraction and in this nation there are so many distractions so i've already made a a list of things that i'm not going to do and it's not some religious you know uh action of if I don't do this, then God's going to then bring breakthrough. No, it is a separating myself from the noise of the usual. And interesting that for many of us, we're at home now more than ever before. Mm -hmm. I think God will Mm -hmm. use that time. So separate yourself, hold off on certain decisions, put off some things. You know, uh, while we've been in quarantine, it's given me a chance to work on some home projects that I've Mm -hmm. wanted to do. And I have about two major ones that are left. And so I was starting to plan, you know, next week. And it was like, that. no, hold off. There's something more important. Mm. There's something more important. And so I've even just said, no, I'm blocking that. I'm not committing myself to any home projects, to social media, to I, whatever it is, as I consecrate myself, yes. as I bring myself to him, whatever it is he leads me to do, it, march around my neighborhood, I, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm yielding myself. It's that fasting from the normal noise for God to speak, to help us to prepare, to be ready for what he wants to do Mm -hmm. in this day. So we're going to consecrate ourselves. We're going to consecrate our homes and we're going to fast distractions to prepare 
for a day that I believe will launch us into things we could have never even imagined.